And, and that's really what the whole theme of today's talk is going to mm -hmm. be about is you guys are collecting a tremendous amount of locational data right. and behavioral data. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of, you know, how can dealerships actually utilize this? Because you got to understand there's, there, there's still just this, sure. this cloak of mystery yeah. um, behind how dealerships can actually utilize app data. For sure. Yeah, I think there's, like, there's a couple things, and you touched on it just there, is uh, what's the behavior that people exhibit because of the locations that they're found? This is the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason, Jason Harris. Kevin. Yes. Thank you oh, so much for taking course. the time. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, jamming with me. Yeah. And I appreciate you inviting us down here and giving us the tour of, of the Weather Network. For sure. This is you guys' Canadian head office or is there other offices? It is. We have another office down at Liberty Village. Okay. Uh, so when we did an acquisition about uh, a year ago, we kept that office and it's uh, mm -hmm. now Pelmark's audience. Uh, it's kind of the, the group that's down there, but we kind of share between those two offices. It's a, it's a cool place. For you guys out there know how I geek out about technology. I Walking around this place, I'm like, mm -hmm, <laughs> that looks like fun. Full big green screen rooms, lighting controls, that's awesome. Um, hey, for everybody out there that don't know exactly what you do sure. here yeah. and how that kind of ties into the automotive space, mm -hmm. can you kind of give us that two-minute origin story? That'd be great. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the Weather Network uh, parent company is Pelmorx Corp., mm -hmm. which uh, many people are starting to recognize us as uh, from that side. Uh, what had changed, I guess, in the last uh, little while, the Weather Network has been around for now. This is our 30th year, mm -hmm. uh, so I've been in Canada for 30 years and, and very well-respected, well-known uh, from the weather perspective for Metsio Media and the in Montreal and Quebec markets and then of course the weather network across the country. Um, what had evolved out of that is uh, some of the advertising and the sales that we have as part of the products that we have uh, from that perspective. We purchased uh, a company called Addictive Mobility about a year ago uh, yeah. which allowed us to do in-app inventory outside of the weather network so then we're able to use all of the data that's being collected from both weather triggers as well as location services and then being able to, to offer that out to advertisers. Mm -hmm. In my particular role I'm verticalized in automotive so I deal with uh, automotive agencies both at tier one and tier two uh, and then we've got other client partners uh, throughout the building that will deal with uh, tier three and dealer direct uh, for some of the local com campaigns mm -hmm. from there. Now for a lot of guys out there that are sitting there listening to this and say wait a second Jason this is an automotive podcast how does the weather network and automotive kind of go hand in hand because I don't think a lot of people out there understand yeah, for sure that it does yeah, in a really big way and I think there's two things that the the offering that we we get a lot of attraction from the automotive industry for yep. uh, whether it's from OEMs themselves or the agencies that they represent uh, from a, from a media perspective uh, two things that we have that are extremely valuable to automotive uh, being able to attract uh, conquest and loyal customers as they mm -hmm. come through, one of which is location. Uh, we've got kind of the ipso facto best uh, location services in the country, uh, being able to understand where devices are, when, where, and how long. Mm -hmm. uh, and then layered on top of that is just all of the data that we already have uh, that is with respect to weather. Uh, weather plays an incredible amount of uh, role in all Canadians' lives. Sure. Uh, I, automotive almost, is, I almost check it daily. Automotive <laughs> is no exception. So there's, there's that frequency, there's a brand safety component that automotive loves because mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a very brand safe environment. There's, uh, you can see in some of the screens that are uh, in this room, you're not going to see a ticker for what Trump tweeted today. You're going to no. talk. You're going to talk about things <laughs> that are true. specific uh, to your local, um, you know, environment. Uh, some of the other things that we look at is that weather is always part of the moments that you have uh, all the way through, whether that's in a car buying scenario or if it's even just planning for what you're going to do with a vehicle as it comes through. Mm -hmm. uh, we see um, extreme spikes in impressions that we see on both desktop and mobile on Wednesdays and Thursdays before a long weekend. 
So we'll see today is a big day because yep. we're leading into we're the going into Easter weekend. weekend. That makes sense. And that's how people start to dictate how they're going to use their vehicles, whether they're going to shop for a new vehicle. Yep. Uh, and we have all those kind of um, machine learning that kind of develops all those pieces of data all together to kind of build a bit of a profile about how people treat weather when they're talking about buying a car, when they buy a car, and how they're going to use a car in the future. And, and a lot of it comes down to is that data, that data that, that, sure. that you collect. Yep. I mean. When I think of weather and how I've probably used it in the past mm -hmm. during my marketing efforts mm -hmm. was more in the service department. It sure. was like, hey, I know that snow is coming, so right. I'm going to start advertising my snow tires. Yeah. And I know that you know we're into spring and the rain season is upon us, and I'm going to start marketing my windshield wipers and wiper inserts, right? Sure. You know, and that, for the most part, I think that's probably where most dealerships it think is, yeah. how they associate weather mm -hmm. with marketing efforts, but it's actually a hell of a lot it more is, than yeah. that. Yeah, and, th and those are kind of table stakes as yep. we go through. We still sell a lots and lots of that as it comes through because there's, um, you know, the easy uh, technic, uh, technical piece of it is someone will, as you had mentioned, we do a lot of all-wheel drive advertising yep. and snow tire because the weather itself. But it, we can also look at conditions on a hourly, daily uh, basis as we go through. So if you start looking at, we've got a number of my advertisers that will actually do advertising that serves a different creative when it's snowing outside. So it's when it's physically snowing on, on the windshield itself, sure. then that's when they're starting to serve it through. We have others that are also looking at, if there's a forecast for snow that's coming up, then we start looking at some of those things mm -hmm. uh, as we go through. But it's not just about you know inclement weather yes. uh, necessarily. The weather network is kind of unique in that people check weather constantly, uh, mm -hmm. even when it's beautiful outside. Yeah, uh, uh, it's on my phone all the time. I mean, actually my kids got up this morning. Exactly. And the first thing they went to do is they went and said, Alexa, Mm -hmm. What's the weather today? Right. Or Siri, what's the weather today? Exactly. Like my so kids are doing it. It's five part or six years old. and it's ingrained, specifically in Canada. We know uh, in Canada specifically that we talk about weather almost 300 times more than anywhere else on the planet. Yeah. Part of that's just because of our geography, but we also have weather patterns that change. Uh, you know, the old adage in Canada is if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. Yeah. Because it's, <laughs> it's just that kind of a, a, an atmosphere. And there's a big role to play there for how uh, Canadian consumers look at vehicles and, and try to map that through. When you combine that with with location itself. So we get location services from the Weather Network app uh, mm -hmm. itself. There's uh, a function that's in there that you can uh, either look at follow me, um, you know, data that's on that side. That people, yep. when they install the app, you can have that option that's on that. We take the privacy super seriously uh, from mm -hmm. that side. So you have that option to turn it on or off. What we find with the Weather Network app, however, is most people turn it on because there's a value exchange there. For sure. You're like, well, okay, I get it. Of course you need to have my location to be able to serve where where the weather's going to be as I move throughout the planet Yep. Uh, from that side. And it's those breadcrumbs that are dropped um, from that perspective that we get uh, location services. Yeah, I imagine the uh, the accepting rate the for sure. is incredibly it's high. high with your guys' It app. is, for sure. Because it, cause it, because it brings value to the customer to say yes. It does, yeah. And, and, and again, and there's that value exchange. If you're given uh, a flashlight app and someone says, uh, can we have your location services? There's no value there. Like, I don't yeah. understand why you would need it in the first place. Um, but that happens out there, um, yep. in certainly in the app uh, side of the, the equation. When you have something that's kind of our data that's specific, then we're, we're real precise about the location that's there. And in automotive, when we say that someone's found in a Ford dealer and you're a GM advertiser, uh, we can kind of stand behind that because we know that they were there. And, and that's really what the whole theme of today's talk is going to mm -hmm. be about is you guys are collecting a tremendous amount of location on data right. and behavioral data. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of, you know, how can dealerships 
actually utilize this because you gotta understand there's there, there's still just this sure. this cloak of mystery yeah um behind how dealerships can actually utilize app data for sure yeah i think there's like there's a couple things and you touched on it just there is uh what's the behavior that people exhibit because of the locations that they're found mm-hmm. so again it's it's something we're completely capable of doing and it's in most of the campaigns that I'll I'll, uh, work with our partner media agencies of doing you know competitive dealerships we want to find those people that were there and Mm -hmm. so that we can serve them a message for something that's tactical or a new product launch but you can get a little bit more uh, sophisticated much more strategic when you start looking at um, if we want to find dog owners um, in this country sure you know the easy piece would be well I I think there's some surveys that say that there's a certain amount of people you could go to Enveronics you could go to a number of different places to find that yeah. we, the way that we define a behavior like dog owners is we map all the dog parks in Canada if you're found there two there plus times in a week then you're a dog owner yep. uh, if you're not a dog owner you are certainly a dog walker or you have a very uh, you know a passion for <laughs> for the animal and it's, being in it's that going time. to be relevant for you and I, and I think this has been such a heavy topic for yeah. me this year it's been something that's been building for years now, but it's just got to the point now where where the industry is and where sales are in the industry, mm-hmm. and we're running into right now what I call a kind of a plateau, you know, and we all freak out yeah. about it, right? But this is really totally normal for mm-hmm. us. You know, we run four or five plus years of double digit, you know, prosperity, sure. and then we plateau, right? Right, and you know, look. A lot of manufacturers out there, a lot of dealerships that are looking at their numbers. They're not going to be selling as many cars as they did the, the year sure. before. Yep. All right. Uh, for the simple reasons is we've hit that plateau. And we're going to be in this plateau for the next few years. Yep. So these are great opportunities to take a look at our effort, take a look at our strategies and see, it, are we actually capitalizing every single penny that's being spent out sure. there? Or are we still closing our eyes and throwing darts in the dark and hope, hoping that we hit something? It right? is for sure. And, it, and it's about, you know, advertising is designed to be something that kind of serves something to you at the right moment, the right yes. time. I mean, that's the, you know, and the, that's specific to the audience and that's that specific it has to, to relevate with relevant. Yeah. It has to be relevant to me for right? sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and timely, uh, in many cases mm-hmm. with the location side of things, I'll give you a great example of one that, um, for individual dealers themselves, but even dealer groups uh, can kind of take advantage of. We know, you know, historically, certainly from the insights that we have from, from location is the second busiest day in the week that devices are found at your dealership is on the day that you're closed. Yes, Sundays. Uh, Sundays. Oh, um, I, I, and back, actually, you know, when I was a salesperson, yeah. a little side story here, but I actually did, that was one of my ways just to be and stay on top as mm-hmm. number one salesperson in the dealership. I would show up on a Saturday, a Sunday for three to four hours and hang out on the lot when the lot was closed and hand out business cards to yeah. all the people that were coming in. <laughs> yeah, and, and what mobile now allows you to do is you don't have to be there for that kind yeah. of component uh, that's there. And in fact, if you look at it deeper is to say the reason why the consumer's there in the first place if you get to the kind of the root cause of it, they're there because they're wanting to see, does the color match what I saw on the website? Does it, how does it look in the, in mm-hmm. the daylight? Is there a vehicle actually in stock there? I don't necessarily, I'm not down the funnel far enough that I actually want to start talking about price and talking to a salesperson. I'm now just kind of exploring it from that perspective. Yep. The right message for someone that you serve to, um, we, we can collect devices at the dealership after on Sundays and anytime after six o'clock, both, both of which is when most people are kind of, you know, uh, casually kind of loitering to look at some of the vehicles. They're in that funnel. I had mean, some people show go. up at 2, 3 a.m. For sure. You know, because I had cameras on my lot. And, shift and work. sure enough, someone would show up at yeah. 3 a.m., park outside the lot, and then walk the lot at right. 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, and then to be able to serve them uh, a piece of advertising that is mm-hmm. relevant for the place they are in that funnel. You don't want to, if, if you know that there's some devices that are found at those certain times and they're around your dealership or your competitors, 
you don't want to serve them up advertising that says 0% for 84. No. Because they're not there yet. But it's very reasonable to say, come in for a test drive. For because sure. Because that's the place they are now. They're, they're willing to come onto your lot. They're starting to look quite seriously. They're likely at a consideration list of two uh, at that well, stage. Well, yeah, they're at an so interest level. So let's invite them into... They're, yeah. they're an interest level. For sure. You know, that's where it is. They're, they're, yeah. they're in, they've, they've, shown, they've done a behavior where they've now shown interest with it. Right. Now, I'm actually kind of curious. When we say you target the devices on a lot, like how... How accurate? I mean, all mm-hmm. the way. To, are we talking like five feet? Are we talking it's, one it's, kilometer? It's I about, mean, what's, it's about what five is, meters uh, that oh, we'll so get down it, to. For it's our really close. Drums. And the reason I'm asking is because yeah. you know I have dealerships. Well, there's an auto mall really just, sure. just down here, yeah. right? And they're all right next to each mm-hmm. other. You yeah. know, so you can get really, really. Yeah, targeted. there's there's two different ways that we look at because we recognize that there's auto malls. There's also connected buildings like Ford yes. and Lincoln dealers are connected on that side. Sometimes they may have uh, a luxury part of the business that have connected parking lots but they have two buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, Certainly in Canada, you can't have two brands under the same rooftop unless you're a used car dealer. Uh, but we kind of recognize that there's different functionality. Mm-hmm. We've polygon mapped the rooftop of every dealership in Canada manually. Oh, uh, okay. So this isn't just a, a pull from an algorithm to say, here's the lat long, so we're going to drop a pinpoint. We've actually drawn the rooftop buildings of each one of the dealers across the country so that when there's a, a GPS signal that drops from the weather network within mm-hmm. that polygon, then we know that that's a visit. We qualify a visit by someone who has been in there. Uh, a breadcrumb gets dropped around three to five minutes every, okay. every three so, to five so minutes. So it is, okay, I was gonna ask. So yeah. it's checking, the weather network is checking GPS locations every three to five minutes? Correct, okay. yeah. For those who have follow me kind of enabled. Yeah, uh, which is a, a good which, chunk. The good is chunk like, of, Would you is. say There's, majority? Uh, well, 7.1 million Canadians, so uh, yes, a large a very piece. large chunk. Yeah. yeah. So, and on top of that, um, we also start looking at uh, the amount of time that they're found there. So we don't qu- qualify a visit to a dealership unless they've been there two consecutive breadcrumbs. So oh, you would have had oh, to get pinged okay. twice in the building. We do that purposefully, and we can monitor, we can change that if the if the sure. client wants it. But we do it purposefully because you will have people who uh, just drop off. Uh, you might have people that drive by. You might have people that walk mm. by. You might have people that went to the drive-through at the Tim Hortons across the street, and that's an erroneous breadcrumb that might have been found at your dealership. So if you're found there twice, then we know that that's a, a qualified visit. Now, it, twice, is it in a certain amount of time? Because I'm trying to think, like, you know, okay, Consecu- so I have my service department, right? My yep. service department can write hundreds if hundreds and sometimes thousands For of sure. work orders a month. Yep. But the front of my dealership is not going to see necessarily those people. So, right. I mean, are you looking at maybe is it frequency of visits? Yeah, that's how we kind of determine. Yeah, a visit for what we would cons- service side. Yeah, the the sales and service we can't we can't get so uh, precise within the building. Which makes sense. There's always going to be some other. limitation. There has to be some point. For right? sure. Um, and, and you know, we've got lots of uh, vendors that we work with that will claim that that's the case. But we know the technology. While you can do it with a hard coded uh, beacon that's yes. in the dealership itself, um, hardware and beacon has its own kind of um, pieces that gives you information that may or may not be on that side. Yep. We work with a few clients that have beacons in the store to get it down to that precise piece. Oh, okay. Uh, so we, we work with them uh, from that side. We just don't always recommend it because when you're advertising, while it's a marketer will very quickly say, oh, I want to be able to do one-to-one. I want to talk to an individual customer because I know they're in that funnel. There's two things that uh, kind of slam that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One is privacy uh, of course. from that perspective. And the second is just from a marketing perspective is that when someone says we're looking for in-market car buyers, mm-hmm. it kind of drives me a little crazy uh, because everyone's in market for car. You, it, you don't know yes. when, you don't know who influences who. I've influenced probably six people on my street for vehicles to buy. Sure. Uh, but I'm not the 
the purchaser. Yep. But I may have been found in different places. When someone says that there's a, a special that's, I can get two uh, breakfast sandwiches at McDonald's for $5, I'll tell that to my neighbor and that might influence that piece. It puts them into market, right? It does. Yes. Uh, so it's not necessarily ha- that the one-to-one, while it's powerful, if you're doing kind of a DM or you're looking yep. at something that's very con- uh, conquestable, is... It, with mobile app advertising, you do want to kind of get a bit of a, an awareness build that's off of that, that there's there's components there. You kind of need multiple touch points, For which sure. makes sense why you guys are looking at yeah. two touch points, yeah. two cookies. Yeah, we before. do it as, as two uh, in that side just for that it's a verified visit. We know that yep. you're there. On top of that, um, we also work with clients to say, well, how do we make sure we get staff out of that equation? Yeah. Or suppliers that come in or contractors that are building on that side. So we do a, a dwell time okay. on that side. So anybody who's been found there for three hours or more, every day is knocked out of the equation because we assume that they're going to be employees. See, just good usage. Of, yeah. And I guess also probably another behavior yeah. would be if they had gone to multiple dealerships. Correct. Yeah. And that's the same thing. So if you have someone who has gone to uh, multiple dealerships, we have mm-hmm. that train uh, as it kind of follows itself through. That's so another that trait that we, can, that we can look for. Yeah. And we have, we've got the ability to do some real customized pieces. We work with uh, both uh, tier two and tier one where they want to find out I'm interested in devices in Canada who were found at a Toyota dealer sure, and were found at a Honda dealer within 30 days. Yeah, and that's... And we can do those kind of traces, right? And that's just at the dealership level. But we can even take this even farther, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I... I, I remember running a one of our best Dodge Grand Caravan campaigns Mm -hmm. was against people that have just recently visited Babies R Us. Yep. Now, that was the website. But right. you guys could do the Absolutely. exact same thing from a physical location. We have them all polygon because because it's a very targeted audience. Like <laughs> it there's is. there's only yeah. certain people that are going to Baby's Yeah, and R that's Us. that's really the smart way to, to approach it because there's a lot of different marketing channels, and we we encourage dealers to continue to spend money on Google and Facebook because yeah. they're great platforms. They're, they're exactly what the that we want to have. We want to we kind of venture to be your number three partner. <laughs> I guess is really what we well, we amount it's, to. It's down to that level. Is to I looking mean, at those pieces, right? I mean, the first thing we want to do is we want to create the the goal and objective, yeah. right? I think what happens is, is dealerships are listening to this and they're like they're little, maybe even salivating a little bit. They go, you yeah. can do what exactly? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's exciting right. news, right? And I don't know necessarily a lot of dealerships know that we can do sure. this. That first step is that at this point, it's, it's just a good idea. Yeah. But we haven't taken the first step yeah. yet. And the first step is to really make that goal objective. Like, what is the goal objective? In this case, uh, <clears throat> for that caravan one, is that yeah. we wanted to increase our caravan sales within that quarter by 25%. Right. So then once we knew what that goal and objective was, then we had to define the audience yeah. that's going to help us meet that goal objective. Right. Now once we've defined the audience, that's when we get to come to you. It and is. we can work on all kinds of different ways yeah. of trying to target yeah, that specific Yeah, and, and where audience. we work best is at that early stage when we start understanding. So what's the ultimate uh, kind of KPI that you're trying to look for? Yeah. And then try to back it up to understand what's the kind of audience that will get you to that side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can access virtually any audience in Canada. We just want to make sure we're really strategic as we put together. In your example with Caravan, you actually identified to say, we're looking for parents and we're looking for people with young kids because that's yep. the vehicle that fits their side. Your ultimate KPI is to sell more caravans, 100%. right? But in terms of trying to find that audience, we would work with you and say, that's awesome that you've identified a, a particular niche on that side. It's very strategic. Mm-hmm. We'd work with you and say, look, it, we have all of the Toys R Us and Baby R- Babies R Us mapped across the country yep. or in your neighborhood. Sure. We also know, um, we define parents in our side is that we also know when people drop off kids at daycare centers ah, so between the hours level of seven to nine so and that's pick so them cool. up again at four to six. So we know that those are parents. So we yep. can start looking at when you come to us and say, we've got this, uh, our challenge is trying 
trying to get parents with young kids. Yeah. You leave it with us and we can come up with a hundred different solutions for being able to, to find that audience. And see, and that's where, kind of what I was talking about earlier, this is what we have to do right now. Yeah. Right. We, you know, budgets, I think, are going to get tighter mm -hmm. over the next 24 months. All right. And that just means that we need to stretch the efforts of every single one of those pennies out there. Yeah. And by taking the time to develop up those goals and really identifying those audiences and then working with a company that can really come yeah. up with creative and unique ways of targeting the audience. Yeah. Like I love the dog walker, <clears throat> you yeah. know, for example, like I'll, I'll give you for example, like, and actually I was actually in a Subaru meeting mm -hmm. where Subaru actually openly came out and said that our audience are a lot of dog owners. Right. Yeah. They just know it. They just like, this is who our audience yeah. is, right? They have dogs right so it's like they can and they've made creative correct literally yeah. based on that showing up. in fact actually i remember the subaru i don't know it just if you just recently saw it but it, it launched in the last probably few months or something where the dog jumps into the kayak and it's floating down the right. river yeah and then the subarus and the family are He's chasing, chasing down the dog yeah. you know but that's yeah. that they knew who their audience was right yeah and they, and they do a great job again they were one who identified here's a particular niche that we've noticed about our side mm -hmm. and that even though that's coming from an OEM perspective, each individual dealer has community-based things that are really interesting to them. Mm -hmm. I think what's going to have to change in automotive marketing, and whether it's you know through us and in a location or app or desktop scenario, or whether it's in broadcast or wherever, is the creative needs to match the message that you've, you've worked so hard yes. to gain that audience. You just talked about it from that side, even in the caravan example where you've identified, and probably rightfully so, that it's parents with young kids is who we're after. Yep. If you serve that audience, zero for 84, they don't care. It doesn't make it. But difference. if you serve them something to say, if you come in and we will check your seat for free yep. on Sunday, and as part of that, you get a, a $500 something sure. um, towards the purchase of, or or instruct something from your creative that shows a sliding door don't yeah they the, the, you know start looking at well, yeah with the, what creative, the audience the creative appreciate. has to be also audience specific you've right? worked so hard to get that audience you've done a great <laughs> job of the moment the time and the and the placement yeah now be really smart about the creative that's being served to them and and i think that's and that's what i'm pushing everyone right now that just seems to be my my, my huge theme over the next 24 months mm -hmm. is that every single part of our marketing efforts needs to be audience specific yeah like we got to know who we're targeting, why we're targeting them, and the creative needs to be specific to For that sure. audience, yeah. right? And, and part of that, the audience dictates what you'd have uh, mm -hmm. from there, but it's in in some cases just understanding where they are in that in that journey sure. as they go through. That if they're starting to look at uh, safety and and will it fit four kids and all their stuff, that's actually kind of mid funnel. Like they're not really you know all the way through. You're looking at features and benefits and pieces mm -hmm. there. It's you kind of follow that person, and then once they get to that stage, then you can start looking at tactical things like incentives and and uh, being able to buy it now and deliver today. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, the auto show was just a couple months ago. Yeah. Did anybody reach out to you? In fact, they did. Okay, yes. good. Uh, um, yeah, we had. I, just, I mean, talk about just a. Yeah, we've had uh, about center of uh, good audience. Probably about six different uh, clients that uh, came through. So I'm curious at what level did it met? Was it manufa did manufacturers? manufacturer? Okay. Yeah. Did anybody from nothing on a, on a tier two or tier three side really? uh, from okay. that side? So. Uh, just for the benefit of your audience, we, um, of, of course, polygon each one of the auto shows across the country. Uh, Why not? On the Makes sense. On that side. Um, Toronto and Montreal being kind of the largest ones um, yep. from that side. We just got finished doing Calgary not that long ago. And we can either put those together as individual kind of audiences or bundled together. So in the case of an OEM, they're looking at, we just want to have everybody who is found at a dealership and we're found at 
uh, sorry, the other way around. It's okay. Everybody who was in the auto show Plus. and were found at one of our dealerships, we want to serve them up with a $500 auto show piece. Or if I was, was or like we said, we are talking about the audience before, I want to target all parents with young kids that had gone to the auto show who live in my yeah, area. Yeah, and, and that brings up an interesting point. It's the, the great thing about audiences is you can find an audience. Yes. The, the bad thing about audiences is it, you have to have scale in order to make it efficient Sure. Uh, from that side. So as you begin to, to put a lot more targets on things, you can mm-hmm. get down to a pretty small uh, piece, but then y- your media becomes pretty expensive on a per unit basis because you're still paying that same yes. kind of amortized piece. So what is kind of a minimum <clears throat> bucket? Yeah, so like in terms of dollar amount or audience? Uh, audience. And an audience, we like to be able to work with something that's got, uh, we work from a devices perspective. So we'd like to see somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand devices found. Oh, so that's not a lot. It's not a lot. And we're not talking a crazy amount. Lot. I'm just thinking in theory, a dealership, I know uh, Ribfest is coming up for a lot of dealerships. And yeah. I'll tell you what's really common. Yeah. Dealerships really like to sponsor Ribfest. Sure. At dealerships, we like food, yeah. so it makes sense, yeah, it makes sense, right? So we'll go put and actually spend a fair amount of money, mm-hmm. all right, putting three, four trucks or cars at the Rib Fest. Right. But the problem is that it can cr- generate attention, but then what do we do with that attention afterwards? Right. It just kind of falls off. Yeah. Is that something? I mean, cause it is for sure. And it, and you know the thing that I say with my clients is don't get hung up on location has to be your dealership or your competitive dealership. Yeah. A location can be an event. It can be a concert. It can be a gathering, it can be an experiential event. If you're doing ride and drives across the country, if you're doing whatever that, that happens to be. But even locally, if you wanted to uh, look at something around your local arenas, mm-hmm. and if you were trying to attract that, we can we can do that as well. So don't get hung up on location has to be, uh, even a bricks and mortar, it could be a park, it could be sure. uh, provincial parks is, is another popular one that we're starting to approach now. They just started to, uh, if you do any kind of camping, which lots of, OEMs love to sell SUVs, and yes, it's, it's, it's a our part of a lifestyle in a lot of part cases. Part of a lifestyle. Yep. So, uh, for one client in particular, we have mapped out all the provincial parks across the country. That's awesome. And we're going to start um, pulling that together, and then serving them up message that is specific to the capabilities of that SUV and the cargo space. And that smart strategy of being able to identify someone who's in the moment and serving them up with creative—that's going to be important to them before, during, and after they go to that park. Well, it's so relevant. I mean, I, I imagine the engagement rates have to be quite high. They are. Um, we, we see some significant click-through, but again, it's very specific to making sure that creative matches the, the audience that's on that side, mm-hmm. and we can measure that. The other piece that we can do that requires a little bit more scale um, from that side, we can also do dealer foot traffic analysis, where we can look at mm-hmm. the ad that was served and whether or not that person was then found at a dealership later to be able to kind of say uh, a bit of a connect the dots of I don't like to use the word attribution because I think I don't by saying attribution word and everybody wants to yeah but I I think it will change into it's it's the best measurement that there is in the field to kind of bring online to offline yes as being able to see the ads that we might serve on that side we pixel those ads and then we can look at exposed and non-exposed to that ad and see whether or not they were found in the dealership afterwards uh, and then we can do lift based off of those two those, those two pieces. Now, so that's I'm a, a great way to cr- see that. On the creative side, mm-hmm. um, what do you? I'm sure you guys A/B test a lot of different type of creative formats. Yeah. All right, what which creative format are you guys mainly lean to, or are you guys starting to work yeah, on? In, what in are you seeing in the creative? Yeah, space? in an app environment, it's it, bigger is better. I mean, if that was okay. to, to kind of put it that way, you can have what we would call kind of baby banner, which is kind of 300 by 50s and those kind of smaller ones that you'd see in an app. And they drive lots of um, impressions as they come through, and they're important as a, a filler all the way through. Mm-hmm. But we find in terms of an engagement piece, anything that's an interstitial or a big box or something that's a larger ad size, 
And I imagine these are in motion. These are HTML5. Yeah, video is, Video will always display uh, or video. We'll right? do it uh, from that side. So we'll, you know, it's budget dependent, I guess, yeah. on, on some on that side. Um, it's funny with video. People uh, assume that it's going to be extremely expensive. It's just now it's been. Uh, it's actually quite reasonable, and you can actually do some really interesting animated. Uh, static images yeah. that make it look like it's it's motion. We do a lot of HTML5 yeah. ads, and it's it it gives you that it gives you that presence of motion, it but does. you're not spending ungodly amount right. of money on. And even like you said, video production. Yeah. How yeah, it's a funny thing with my business. Um, 2018, we did roughly about 300, produced roughly about 300 videos for dealerships. Right. All right. This year, it's now third month of the year. We've already exceeded 300. Right. You know, it was, I remember three years ago, I had a graphics design team of almost 10 people, mm -hmm. you know, and a small video team of a couple. And now that's almost fundamentally shift. Yeah. Where now I have a graphics team of eight people, right? Or sorry, I have a video team of eight people and I have a graphics team of only three. Right. Yeah. yeah, and we see that, you know, certainly with our clients too, is that video is, is more than half now as yeah. it comes through, but we encourage anytime you can is to do motion. Yeah, we, we don't mm -hmm. necessarily say it has to be video or it has to be static, but motion is what's important. Yeah, motion's important. Now, the ups, of course, the upside with the video is that then we can really measure engagement. For sure. Um, yeah. So now we really get to see how we target the audience, what was the crave that we presented to that audience, and then did they really, they may not have clicked, mm -hmm. but did they engage, did they consume it, yeah. right? Did they go two seconds in? Mm -hmm. Did they go the full 15 seconds? Yeah. Or 30 seconds or whatever it is. Yeah, and we find, um, you know, certainly on the Weather Network app, we're, we're seeing engagement is usually around seven seconds on a video. Okay. Um, so and that, that's a good mark for you guys, or is mark. that average? That's an average. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we will almost always encourage any of our clients to not do 30s. Yeah. Uh, and so what are they doing? Are they doing 15s? 15s. Okay. Typically 15. 15s. Uh, and again, if you have a 15, um, six is still the best. Yep. If you've got that, because then not only do you have two pieces of creative now, because you're going to run it as a 15 cut and, and two and edit it out. But if you have a 15, just make sure you get to the, the point. <laughs> In the first really, six. really fast. Yeah, I'm amazed. You know, Facebook's now optimizing for three seconds. Yeah, I'm just it, like I'm like really. Yeah, Are and I think I think yeah, I think three is a bit too early, and I only say that for automotive specifically. Yeah, automotive is still a very uh, visual, you know, purchase. Uh, there's a lot that has to happen within that kind of visual cue that's on a smaller screen. Yeah, uh, and three seconds, while it might be great for a tide or something uh, from that side, where it's very uh, impulse buy, yep. uh, a vehicle to me just feels like it needs to have a little bit more of uh, romance. Well, it's got a little story. It's got to yeah. have a bit of a story For to sure. it, right? It's the, the dog, you know, you know right. going down the kayak yeah. or, you know, it's yeah. the mom placing the baby into the car seat and and with one button closing the door, yeah. you know? And the, and the only thing I would encourage dealers specifically when it comes to, you know, video ads uh, themselves is because the, the span is usually six or seven seconds, mm -hmm. most of them will put the information that's most important to the dealership and the consumer at the end of that video. Mm -hmm. So at the very end, it'll talk about uh, where they are, the phone number and the directions or, or whatever the offer is at yep. that time. Um, start looking at ways of bringing that forward. Uh, when people are looking for dealerships, they're really looking for three-piece information. They already know what the car looks like because they have the ability to look for that everywhere else. Sure. But hours of operation, where are you, and what makes you different? Like those are just the three things. Differentiating factor. Yeah. I mean, I think that's you yeah. know, outside of uh, marketing strategies, really need to be more audience specific, mm -hmm. and outside of creative, being more audience specific. Differentiating factor for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and that differentiating factor doesn't have to be. 
you know, wildly different uh, from someone else. It could be we're open late on Fridays. Like that could be your different. Well, it's convenience. It could be There's absolutely whatever that wrong is. with that, right? right? Yeah. You know, I drove by a dealership. I was up in Barrie the other day, and um, I drove by the dealership, and they had a sign outside that their service department's open till two a.m. Oh wow! Till two a.m. for now, shift work. Yeah. Shift work, and I think they do a lot of commercial stuff, right? Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. So then I go to their website. I can't find anything on their website saying that they're open until 2 a.m. But they're mm-hmm. going to sign outside of their dealership saying they're open until 2 a.m., yeah. right? I mean, huge differentiating factor, but I couldn't. Now, they may be running ads. I didn't yep. see the ads, but I couldn't find that message, sure. you know, that differentiating factor yeah, online. Yeah, another way that we, we help, uh, not so much in OEMs, but certainly in Tier 1 and some, or sorry, Tier 2 and some Tier 3, is if they're willing to, to mm-hmm. be able to provide some of the customer data, then we can match that up against the location itself. Now mm-hmm. that'll scare people. Uh, How does that work? That, but really all I need is postal code, six okay. digit postal code, and I'll map that against our devices. And we can say of those postal codes, here's where the, those were found. What it does is it really quickly kind of gives you a bit of a, almost like a heat map or a bit of an indicator to say, where your customers of are. my customers, mm-hmm. where do they live? Where do they work? And what else are they kind of, um, where else have they been? on that side and that might help to dictate some of your strategies uh, as it comes through the other also thing to look help at give the creative some direction it, it's similar to sure. kind it's of an like, insight yeah it's well it's kind of like similar to like google analytics with their insights of trying to target yeah. hobbies and interests and stuff like For that sure. but that's still very very limited it is. they can only capture so much percentage it of it, the website small. data with that yeah sounds like this way really you're going to capture yeah, you're a just lot find, more yeah of you're just finding the location of the people that you already you you already know who they are mm-hmm. and now what else have they done outside of your dealership mm-hmm. and that's that's part of it um, the other is to look at you know kind of those strategic moments that we always work with clients on that side is we talked about the the Sundays and after six to try to find people who are kind of in market for sales and not service because mm-hmm. the technicians have gone home so they're only in the dealership for one reason you can also look at a kind of competitive piece um, mm-hmm. dealers I know um, just from my own experience that there's the 10 day and the 20 day you can start looking at most people don't purchase vehicles in that first 10 they're usually delivered in the last 20 so you can start looking at I want to see all the devices that are at my competitors in the first 10 days of a month yeah with, start with data like this you can you can you can create awareness yeah. you can easily develop interest and you can go full on 10, 30 day strategy and go yeah. just straight call to action yeah, it's, it's just based to on the different levels of data or different behaviors that you're looking yeah. at. The only, the only recommend that I tend to do also with dealers is um, give it time because you, you'll, have a, you'll have a tactic <laughs> yep. and if it doesn't deliver on, if, if, we, if you did that uh, example of a 10 day and looking at kind of competitors, people that were found in my competitive dealers in that first 10 days of a month, that means they're about to buy that month yep. and I want to be able to target them for the second 20, whether that's a heavy tactical message or whether that's a have you considered, but you have to give that some time to, to see what those trends look like. For sure. Because you just organically, I can guarantee you that May is going to be a high traffic month. Yep. Uh, you don't have to use us. And I, I can tell you that just from a weather perspective, it's going to be a killer <laughs> month. For it's going to be a good month. Um, but if you just only saw that in its own silo, you wouldn't necessarily change your strategy because of it. You have to look at it kind of over a three month period is what we like to see. Yeah. And then you can kind of see where those, um, those developments start to happen. For sure. I mean, again, it's all about just capitalizing mm-hmm. on every single penny that gets spent, yeah. you know, and you need to give time. You know, I, I, rec- I tell um, I tell people that strategies are kind of like, uh, 
fine wines, right? You just give them time and they mm -hmm. just continue to grow and they get better, yeah. right? But then of course we do have to have a cut off period where we just say, okay, this wasn't necessarily giving us what the return was. Right. I've run campaigns, I've run very large campaigns and for all intents and purposes, I look at the online analytics and this should have been a freaking home run. I yeah. mean, astronomically high engagement rates, constant repeats, customers coming back to the site multiple times to consume the data or additional data or more information more right. and more. And then it just doesn't translate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, look, I have a dealership right now. Everything, the, the ad engagement looks great, the website engagement looks great, everything is way above where it is, but for some reason, they're just not coming to the dealership. Yeah. And that's where we, we just gotta test it. We just, mm -hmm. there's no guarantee that any of this is gonna work. We gotta give it some time. And if it doesn't work, then we gotta either make sure that either the audience was off, the message was off, or right. you know, something had to be off. Yeah. We weren't giving them maybe enough of a reason to come in. Yeah. And then I think the last piece I would say, uh, location has you know enormous potential in being able to pull those kind of audiences together, but but also understand like we talked about it off the start is that the, the power of the weather itself, not mm -hmm. not because it's weather, it's because of what it represents to the person in their in their time period. Um, you know, one of the things that I'd lead off on a, on on certain speeches I'd say is what um, what was the color of your uncle's tie at your wedding, and. People would say, I have no idea. And they'd say, what was the weather like that day? They're like, oh, my God, it rained like hell. It was terrible. You remember really there, there are moments like that. That, that it kind of dictates from that side. And I would say that even for individual dealers themselves, too. In our world, when someone says, what's your prime time, whether it's on our broadcast properties or desktop, yep. uh, our prime time is not um, you know, in the mornings necessarily. It's not at night. It's when there's shitty weather. Like That's, that's when we get our Super Bowl yeah, uh, as it comes yeah. through. And, inter last storm we had, and interestingly, probably, probably the it. Weather Network is probably one of the few people that knows what the weather's going to be five days from now. Yeah. So take advantage of those kind of opportunities and you'll get higher impression rates because you're, you're pulling in people who are going to be on there more frequently and we, are, we can already dictate that yeah. ahead of time. And they, they could happen at any moment. Uh, and weather is one of those things that's not just snow and rain. It's uh, we're, We had a whole bunch of rain just a little while ago in Toronto and our traffic was at its all-time high for, for an April. Yeah, yeah. So those, those things happen just as a spur of the moment. So, but we can predict those things. You can. Mm -hmm. um, with I, I mean, people listening to this, I want to make sure that they understand that we're not just talking about uh, creative placement just on the Weather Network. Correct. Yeah, I, I know. Use, I know. We keep using yeah. using the word weather network, but I'm just for sure. I, I want yeah, to we, think that this is yeah, the with only all, place with that all it the goes. audiences we have, both weather triggering as yeah. well as data audiences for location. Uh, we can run them either within the weather network properties or on every app available in Canada that that accepts the advertising side. Yep. So we've got a programmatic piece uh, on our on our platform as well, where we can do in-app advertising for all devices in Canada. Not 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 just the ones that have weather network, but all devices. Yep. And these are in-app in marketing app, pieces. Correct. So that just, yep. so just so they, they yeah. know. And how many different apps do you guys currently work with? Do you have oh an my idea? Gosh. There's, there's hundreds of... Uh, Hundreds of thousands. Okay. Like it's pretty much you guys cover. Yeah, <laughs> you go. uh, it's virtually every app. Now we do um, we do whitelist and blacklist a lot of apps. Um, okay. Being one of the things that we pride ourselves on is certainly the brand safety and the and the trustworthiness from that side. So yep. there are lots of apps we will not accept their advertising to be put on uh, as we go through. And then there's some that uh, we do allow on that side. And we've got we use uh, moat tagging as well as IAS and all the mm -hmm. standards to, to make sure we know which apps are the right ones that we want specifically in automotive um, where we can turn things on and off now what advice would you give to a dealership right now that's you know coming we're coming into our hunting season mm -hmm. that's really what it is mm -hmm. we're in our hunting season right yep and here's what happens 
is we become very reactive sure. during this time of year, you know, yep. because a lot of things are happening. You know, it's like we're kind of off the, the slower time of the, of the holiday seasons yeah. and the winter seasons. And now we're in the full swing yep. and things are happening really, really, really fast. Right. You know, what advice can you give to dealerships right now in their full hunting I, season? I think there's there's two things that I would say, and, and you, you nailed it a little bit when you say reactive and proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think you're going to change the mind of a consumer in April using in-app advertising, it's it will be effective in letting them know, but it's not going to help you kind of drive it through. What I would say to dealers is start looking at uh, next month and what are the kinds of activities and moments that are happening in your community and start with that. So is there something... What, what are your customers going to be doing in May? Um, one of them could yep. be, I'm starting to plan for camping. I'm going to st- there's a big, uh, uh, there's playoffs in town for there's something festivals else. There's and festivals fairs in the summer and, that yep. I'm starting to look at. So start looking at two, three months from now so that you can start building out a really effective campaign that serves up some of the, the advertising for them in advance so that when the time comes that they're in that market, uh, you're on that side. It's... I say this even with OEMs is that to be able to influence somebody in two weeks is very tricky. And they all want it. And they I all know want they all it. Do. They uh, all do. But it's really, if you want something to work today, you have to plan for it, you know, six weeks from now. And that's kind of how the, those things start to work and, and build themselves out. Well, so I would com- say look at the moments and what are those things that would be, what kind of audience would be kind of unique because mm-hmm. of that. It all comes down to frequency. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's funny because they understand this concept of, for some reason, when it comes to digital marketing, they don't understand the concept at all. Mm-hmm. They've been, you know, at one point in time they bought TV ads, mm-hmm. and, but some of them still are buying radio ads. Yep. And you would never go out just to purchase one ad right. one time. Correct. It would never work that way. Exactly. It, it's the frequency of your message that is important. Yep. And in addition to the frequency of the message, it's the continued story of the message, it right? It's the, it's the multitude of touch points. That's that's the effectiveness of mobile advertising specifically. Mm-hmm. And even in, in the desktop side, you do want to work with partners that have multiple touch points from that side. There's a reason why digital sells CPMs in thousands yep. uh, because it, it takes a number of impressions for people to kind of pull that together. The advantage to digital is you can expose you know, millions of impressions if you wanted to, depending yep. on the budget, but that's that's the nature of how the, the digital goes is that it's a constant reminder of the features, advantages, and moments that are important to you as a dealer. So you get the frequency, and then in addition to that, which you can still get with traditional, mm-hmm. you still get frequency with it, but the big, big differentiating factor is that once I have that attention, what do I do with it next? Right. When, if you're thinking of traditional marketing out there and you're still doing a traditional marketing, you're doing your newspaper, you're doing your radio, Okay, fine. You got the frequency down. You're in the paper every single, every other day, same spot, same place, everywhere. That. Right. Okay, cool. You get the attention, but then we can't build off that attention. Well, with digital, we can absolutely build off For that sure. attention. For sure. Yeah, and, and you can kind of nurture that relationship throughout that whole uh, process because, uh, you know, as dealers know better than anyone, it's not the hope is that when the customer comes in and purchases from you that that doesn't end the experience for them that there's still kind of a nurturing of that uh, as it comes through from an after sales perspective but even just from an influence of that person's new vehicle mm-hmm. in the neighborhood of a bunch of older vehicles right so that there's you know kind of nurturing that effect yeah and, and that's the fun part actually i actually find that to be the mm-hmm. funnest part about doing the creative yeah is, is we get to figure out kind of that 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 storyboard of multiple pieces of creative and kind of tell that story over a period of time. Um, I still think for a lot of dealerships out there, there is a fear about data. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you say when you run into a dealership and they just, you can almost see in their eyes. Like they're like, 
this just seems a little too, what's the word they do? Big, big brother. Big brother. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you say? Yeah. And I, I would say the first thing is any vendor that walks through your doors that is talking about data is ask questions, like mm-hmm. ask questions and ask more questions um, as you go through, because there, are, there is a lot of uh, unknowns on that side. And there's a few you know vendors that have kind of taken it and they, they're able to kind of amortize something without fully understanding it. The advantage perhaps that we have is that we own the app. So it's, it's, it's an SDK level of app <laughs> that we control the data in and out of it. We control the privacy of it. We control the opt-ins in and out. Um, when you deal with uh, what's known as Bidstream, which is you know multitude of apps that yep. provide GPS signals and they aggregate that stuff through and, and try to make that serve, yep. <laughs> you can imagine that those GPS signals that come off of an app um, a, you don't know necessarily that they're going to be Canadian. <laughs> no, one. good point. And you don't know whether or not they're been bought, uh, like BOT, not purchased. Yep. Um, and it's a currency. So every one of those GPS signals get sent by any app developer in the world. There's a price to it because we advertise against it. So there, there's a motivation there to be a bit fraudulent for certain ones to be able to pull those, um, you know, those responses up. So I would say anybody that comes in there and says, if you're spooked about data and the privacy, is ask the questions of the vendor. How do you treat uh, privacy? How do you aggregate yes. the data? And how do you anonymize everything that's on that side? It's a it's a delicate dance because you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. As a marketer, you're like, well, I do want to reach one to one. Of course. But on the second side of it, like, well, but I have I understand the privacy of my my customers. So you have to be able to yourself as a dealer understand, you know, what's the limitations that you have with data and what what there isn't. In our case, uh, we aggregate and anonymize everything. There's no PI, there's no personal identifiable information because yep. it's done by postal code on that side. So we, we're able to kind of look at communities of 10 to 15 homes, but not one home on that side. And, and that's the questions that you ask of the, of the vendors. Anybody that says that they can reach an individual person on their device. Run for the hills. Run for the hills <laughs> uh, or lawyer up. Because right. as, as we start to um, develop uh, a GDPR type of uh, scenario that has happened in, in Europe already, yep. where there is a succinct and explicit opt-in for any app, yes. location services included. The one thing where we're covered, as if, for instance, is when you download the app, it specifically says that when you click on follow me, that we're going to be selling the location services for marketing and advertising purposes. Do you agree, yes or no? Then we do it again later on to make sure that you understood what you're, you're getting yourself into. So we're already kind of GDPR compliant. There's going to be a host of folks that, that won't be because they don't have the explicit opt-in. Of well, I think there's, it's important for dealerships to understand that there are multiple levels of quality of data, mm-hmm. all right? And it's very important for you guys to know where that data is coming yep. from and how it was created. Just to recap, it, because I, I get this a lot. In fact, yep. actually, I got an email yesterday yep. from one of my clients who forwarded me an email from a, from a vendor that... I hadn't even heard of, right? Right, and pretty much, he was promising exactly what you just said, right? And and immediately I was just like, don't yep. even take the call. Yeah, just that's not, that, that's not yeah. how we're supposed to use the data. Those are big red flags. Sure, but you know, so, let's say so, someone walks into my dealership, and there, there's just a lot unknown about it, mm-hmm. right? So what would you say the three main questions that a dealership needs to ask to a vendor? that is really talking about utilizing data within their within their yeah, systems think, or offerings. Yeah, I think the fir- first right off the bat is just to say, you know, what's your privacy policy? Like how how do you, you how do you what is your policy? Like yep. what what do you what's your belief? How do you how do you um, how are you going to treat my customers with your product? Like how how's that relationship going to be? Uh, I th- I think the second is 
especially when there's a transfer of data and there's a lot of vendors that will say, well, just give me your customer list and I'll vet it and I'll that change it. That happens a lot. I'm amazed how sometimes it's just, it's, yeah, it's be, freely thrown be out there. extremely careful in that uh, environment. It's not to say you can't do it, but you ask those questions to say why. Why? That's the, the biggest thing. Is okay. Why would you ever need a last name of somebody in a mobile digital environment? You never will. Okay. You shouldn't. Ever. Okay, cool. Um, if they're asking for anything outside of uh, email or six-digit postal code, then flag should go up. Because okay. the, you, you want to be able to say to that vendor, so how do you anonymize and how do you aggregate this data? You know, that, that's really the, the questions that are on that side. And the last is really just how, how can I be assured that the, when I submit the, the list to you that you're not going to resell it. Yes, and that is really, really important right yeah. now. Um, like, is this a one-time use? I, uh, is it being hashed when yes. you send it to me? Like, there's a lot of questions there to say. Because you have to remember, when you have a customer who's entrusted you and you've purchased a vehicle mm -hmm. from them or services or parts or accessories or whatever that happens to be, um, you've kind of given them your uh, authority to have their name. Yep. Um, you should treat that with the utmost respect uh, yep. as it comes through. And yes, we're in the business to, to advertise and influence and make sure that they come back to us for repeat business. But you respect it just the same uh, as you would. Would, would you you know send out some of your family members pieces like they are your family in many cases so I, and I completely agree with you I mean dealerships guys out there this is your data mm -hmm. please treat it as yours it yeah. is it's a it's something that you have spent a lot of time a lot of money working in creating yeah. you know take the time to ask the questions yeah. and and make sure that the company that you're providing that data to is is utilizing it in the right way yeah, you want to understand how they're using it, but just as importantly, like how are they hashing that data so that it can be anonymized and aggregated so that it can't be personally identifiable. Sure. And then That's what do they really do with the data when the campaign's done? Right. I, I, that, that question doesn't mm -hmm. get asked, I think, enough. Right. You know, I mean, I had a dealership sign up, right? It was for subprime leads, and the dealership left the company to go work with sure. a different company. Yep. And sure enough, they took all of those data that yep. the dealership spent tons of money generating and creating right. and just literally sold it right back off to mm -hmm. another dealership. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> so yeah. take the time, read through those documents. Yeah, and, and I think just maybe even at the dealer level, if you've got someone who asks you to send their customer list in an Excel file mm -hmm. on an email, that, that's your first flag. Yeah. Like if, if the company doesn't have the sophistication to be able to accept it in a third-party way, whether it's FTP I was or say, otherwise. There's a really simple way. Of just, it's, 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 the technology is not, is, is not a difficult thing. perfectly like, acceptable. Just, yep. <laughs> but uh, that kind of tells you the sophistication of how they treat privacy, how they treat data, and how they're going to treat your customer name base uh, as it comes through is just those little triggers from there. That makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Kevin, thanks again so yeah, much for taking course, the time yeah. today and, and jamming with me. Um, good. For anybody out there that would like to connect and maybe learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing yeah. or just find out more about, you know, the data that you guys are generating, what's the best place? Yeah, probably just, uh, you know, through through our website or I'll uh, I'll leave my email with you and you can either uh, use it as part of the post, it. The, yep. the post and then we'll, we'll work it back from there. What is the website? Uh, the the weathernetwork.com. Oh, there's yeah. literally there's a section right there just just for just yeah. For ads. You can contact us from that side and we can start to to work it through from there. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Thanks again, Kevin. Really appreciate it. <laughs>